All right, guys, welcome to the debrief. David, I got the debrief you. of the best episode ever. <laughs> ever. How many times do we say that though? Do we say that in the last one? Okay, it's so true this my, time. My my roommate has a funny a funny joke with me where uh, we roomed uh, we roomed together at junior year of college, and I would always say, "Dude, I just made the best sandwich ever." And I would say <laughs> that like thirty times, and but the the rationale that I keep on giving to this day is that well, that's because they keep Iteration, on getting better. Improvement. They keep yeah. better. Yeah, right. And so I don't want to compare this one to like the Justin Drake ultrasound money episode because that one better, is just better, pristine. good in a different way. It, yeah, good in a different way. Like, and, and I think this episode, this podcast episode, will stand the test of time and. In a, in a way that the Justin Drake episode didn't, you can't really send a crypto novice the Justin Drake episode, but you can send the whole entire world this episode. Most people in the world understand the Renaissance and what that means and can draw those parallels. And Josh did such a fantastic job. Of He's a gem. Identifying and articulating the specific cultural under or technological undercurrents that created the renaissance and drawing the one-to-one -one comparison to what we see in both the internet and blockchain technology yeah you're totally right he's an absolute gem when you pitched this podcast to me i was like okay rando professor on twitter david all right tell me <laughs> this more this professor dms me and wants to come on the podcast ryan should we yeah bring him i'm on? like <laughs> uh sure yeah cool but then we had this, uh, you had a conversation first with Josh, mm -hmm. and then I had a conversation with him, absolutely blown away with his level of knowledge. So not just a gem, but a hidden gem. I don't think people have, have heard Josh uh, speak mm -hmm. about this. I don't think I've heard anyone speak about this. He's just got this uh, unique depth of knowledge, almost like, you know, like, um, like a polymath who has all of these various perspectives on something uh, and you know, you might find somebody who knows history as well as, as Josh, but you don't know someone who knows like history, culture, societal art, and also crypto. Like and I've never crypto. met anyone. Yeah. Deep crypto. So we were talking DAOs and NFTs as well and how that relates. And he was like, like totally uh, jiving with that and connecting with that. So uh, pretty cool stuff. I don't know. Where do we start with takeaways? Like, I feel like at some level, um, Josh did, did the yeah. takeaways too at the end. He was like, these are the action steps. Um, and the funny uh, thing is like, I, in my opinion, I don't know how well this podcast is going, is going to perform on a downloads number, but I, I think it's still like one of our best, best podcasts work. ever, yeah. right alongside Justin Drake's. And funnily enough, both Justin and Josh were the ones that made the agenda <laughs> for their podcast. Is that the lesson? <laughs> that is the takeaway that we need other people to do the agenda for us. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Um, there is something about like thinking through exactly what you're trying to say. I, I got mm -hmm. the sense from Josh that this was something in his mind that he'd been trying to um, put right. down on paper. Mm -hmm. And this, the podcast episode was really just a forcing function for that. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a synthesis of just like with Justin Drake, like all of the research, all of the work that he put right. into actually like helping to design Ethereum and observing everything was just synthesized into one episode. This is, this is what we had with Josh too. I feel like this is kind of medic because we're just, uh, we're talking about how great the episode was. Yeah, the we should talk about the writing. content here. Yes. <laughs> uh, what, what, what blew you away in, uh, in this episode? Yeah, I, I really just really, really loved the, the two, there's two technologies and the one of them is communication and one of them is some sort of FinTech ledger writing. Value. 
communication value tool, right? And it's a one-to-one, the saliency of those comparisons between the, the, the Renaissance number one and Renaissance number two, I think is fucking hilarious. And now we have to differentiate between the Renaissances. Um, uh, the, what, the, the Florentine Renaissance, the Enlightenment Renaissance, uh, the Renaissance in the 1400s versus the crypto Renaissance, same two technologies, right? One is the printing press and the democratization of writing and knowledge. And then the, the, that correlate in the, in the modern day, the internet renaissance is the actual internet itself. And then also we have double entry bookkeeping. And then we also have the blockchain. Uh, and these are just one-to-one comparisons. And then both of them, and the, the through line as to why both of them were powerful is because they were permissionless and decentralized. As in, there was no way to stop it. There's no central point to press on, to squash the virality of these technologies, both in both the, the printing press and both, I don't know to what degree the printing press is as viral as like double entry bookkeeping, but double entry bookkeeping isn't a thing, it's an idea. And so you can't stop an idea from propagating from brain to brain. And the same thing, like if somehow the, the Bitcoin blockchain was able to be top down, just like shut down by the, by the United States, it doesn't matter because it's an, Bitcoin is as more of an idea than it is a technology. And if they shut down Bitcoin, which they fucking can't because it's decentralized, but if they could, it wouldn't matter because the idea is out there now. Well, they can't. Well, that, that's, so what blew me away was all of the parallels between then and now. It's like then and now. It's like history is a fractal. Everything repeats. Uh, the Renaissance brought in, you know, teamed with industrial revolution, brought us to where we are now with the birth of the nation state and recentralization, right? Now we are entering this, this digital era. So it makes sense that we'd have a new set of technologies and a, uh, a Renaissance, a, a revolution. But what blew me away was how all of the, the analogies seem to, uh, seem to connect between, you know, kind of then and now. So one thing that the, the nation state tried to do with some of these technologies that were, you know, subversive, you know, power, powerful to the people. I don't mean nation states. I mean, sorry, the, the papacy and the, the central, uh, authorities at the time was like, okay, let's clamp down on the printing press. You can't have a printing press in, uh, in your town, right. Without like decree of, the authorities in this organization. Right. Well, KYC couldn't stop press. it. Couldn't stop it, right? Like right. it, it just propagates and printing press technology is so easy and so, you know, kind of viral. It was so. What they ended up doing, which is interesting, I wonder if this is a lesson for us in crypto too, is um, he said that you know the way we got to a recentralization in the nation state was they actually just co-opted those technologies. So they co-opted the printing press and turned that into like a, a government nation state propaganda arm, right? Like mm-hmm. you can mass provide propaganda information to the people and get them to buy in to a narrative. They somewhat co-opted Wait, I, I wanna, I wanna the ledger. I want to flesh out that part really, really, yeah. really quick because it was like you, you, the way that you said it, I want to, I want to twist, twist that a little bit. You said like the way that it re-centralizes, they co-opted it rather than that. Cause that's a top-down perspective. What happened was that, and this is something that Amin Soleimani always says is that when it was a group comes together and coordinates around a shared message and uses the printing press as a way to facilitate growth of that group. And then the, because that group was the most coordinated, it then becomes the new top-down entity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There is no they that goes from old to new. It's just a new thing emerges and becomes the new hierarchy because it was able to leverage the technology and, yeah. and capture I, it. I think what you're, what you're saying is there's uh, this is just a, a system playing out its mm-hmm. lifespan. This is not mm-hmm. like 
there are the evil people and there are right, the good people. Right. Exactly. And so, so it was this is what happens. Thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, so like, but that that's how the nation state recaptured this. And in, mm-hmm. in a form of like central banking and banking as a whole, that's, that's kind of how they captured the idea of, you know, um, double entry bookkeeping, right? And mm-hmm. so I wonder if there's a lesson in there for crypto in this early season, you know, much of this feels very... Um, decentralized, but you know, what, what do the existing powers do? Do they attempt to co-opt this or does decentralization win for a time and, you know, a new power structure emerge that is basically re-centralizes things. It almost goes back to our conversation with uh, Joel Manegro, where mm-hmm. we talked about um, kind of fourth turning generational right. churn and how sure. like every 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 few generations you almost have to like reset everything reset the ledger and there needs to be some sort of new revolution sure well it is worth noting that like the double entry bookkeeping was invented in the 1400s so that's not just a few generations that's 700 years and that's kind of a, also a message to how the banking system is so incredibly archaic <laughs> the current banking system is still doing double entry bookkeeping in a paper and pen logic fashion. And we're just doing it on the internet now. And, but it's still the same technology that was created that created this cultural renaissance in the first place. So the, so the central, this decentralizing technology that brought down the church and brought down the hierarchies, it took 700 years for that to form into the system that we have today, which is like, in my opinion, oppressing younger generations, oppressing, uh, oppressing people that aren't in the hierarchy. Right. Uh, and so maybe that lasts for a really long time, like 700 years. How many generations is that? Yeah. Although I will say like it, everything is like a, a fractal, but now it feels like we are speed running everything. Right. Yes. So it does feel like, sure. yeah, time is accelerated. This is all happening at a rapid phase. So what mm-hmm. took hundreds of years before to kind of propagate I mean, you made this point that now we have the internet to propagate the new technology, right? Borderless across everyone right. who wants to adopt it. This can this can now happen in the speed of of years and decades rather than take um, generations and hundreds of years. The other thing that was interesting to me was like the downstream effects that this had, right? So like made the link, for, first of all, that technology was a catalyst for the Renaissance. I hadn't really considered I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. My vague sense of like the AP history, as you said, was like, oh, and then humanity decided um, it would be a good idea to like modernize and like focus on art <laughs> and like, you know, and like, you know, what, to, I remember uh, when I was, cause I took AP Euro history. Yeah. And I, I remember it as like some, some guys got really good at painting. <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah, that's what that, led the Renaissance. <laughs> well, that's why I, I don't know if, if, if um, this, technical lens like Mm -hmm. technology lens is exclusive to josh or if this comes out in other like yeah historians but to me it made a lot of sense as as the catalyst for everything Mm -hmm. but it was also interesting all of the the weird unpredictable side effects this had right it it shaped it shaped art right Mm -hmm. so instead of everything it shaped everything it shaped like so now we're doing fruit bowls and why it's because ultimately because we have a technology like two right. sets of technology that yeah like it, it's just um so so the question in my mind is like well the thing one insight is we have no way to predict all of the societal implications and cultural implications of this crypto digital renaissance right now 
like it's it's completely unpredictable we can see things maybe a few years in the future but like i don't know what is this going to look like in 10 years it's like impossible to predict when I the there was a, a line that I wrote in the Digital Culture Revolution article on Bankless, um, and I, I said, uh, together technology and money compose so much of what makes society society. When we change these things, we change everything. Much of what defines society is mediated by the technological tools we have available to create cultural expression. And then I finish off, the cryptocurrency revolution is a revolution in money and technology, but the legacy of crypto will instead be a renaissance in human culture. And I see that same, uh, that, that's what we're talking about with double entry bookkeeping exactly. as a new technology that impacted culture down the line. And at the end of the day, that kind of makes sense because we, we, can, we can talk about life itself in, in genes and go, we can even bring in um, uh, Richard Dawkins, the, uh, the uh, uh, selfish, gene. selfish gene, right? Like everything down to a gene is a fight over resources, right? right. Fights over scarce resources, like, like animals fight over scarce resources. They, they like, you know, food, like mates, whatever. It's all scarce resources at the end of the day. And what resources distill into is value, right? Scarce resources is value. And when we generate a double entry bookkeeping that actually generates value and helps coordinate resources, all of a sudden everything is more flush with resources, flush with value. And the, that and that flushness of value allows specialists to emerge and allows people to be able to create art rather than farm wheat, right? Yeah. And that yeah. is where culture comes from. And that's, I think we can extend that right into NFTs. It's like, well, no, now we have this, it's cost less to produce art and now fewer people need to flip burgers and instead they can make NFTs. There was something as well about this, um, this idea of the Medici and like this idea of the, the analog of, you know, the new Medici, the crypto Medici is, are the crypto natives today. What, what sort of struck me was, um, the future is not necessarily evenly distributed, right? Mm -hmm. The Medici of the time, they saw the opportunity. They saw this technology, they grabbed hold of it and they saw this opportunity and they, they claimed it. Um, mm -hmm. They actually they won it. They, they, they won it and they developed it and they rose up from mm -hmm. kind of lower class into middle class into, you know, essentially shaping the world. Now right. this turned out to be a, a good outcome for humanity writ large, right? Because right. we got the Renaissance and we, we you know, right. uh, individuals won their freedom, but it didn't happen right away. And mm -hmm. what's interesting to me is like, I was thinking like, wow, um, you know, if, if we are on the cusp of the crypto renaissance, you definitely want to be part of the Medici. You don't want to be just right. sort of the, you know, the, the person that uh, gets stuck in the established institutions and completely ignores this, this revolution. You want to be at the vanguard of it because that's where the opportunity is. Is this going to be a good thing for humanity as a whole? Absolutely. But in the meanwhile, there are definitely going to be those that are involved in the movement and the revolution and the technology that are going to have outsized benefit, right? right. We're just talking bankless about front running the opportunity. That's what the Medici did. They, mm -hmm. they front ran the, you know, double entry bookkeeping opportunity mm -hmm. and uh, did very well in their, in their era. Um, yeah, that was another thought. Right. Where, where we are trying to build out the bankless Medicis, the Medicis were trying to build the banks, right? And at yeah. the time, 700 years ago, we loved banks. Banks created <laughs> value. They were new, new institutions yeah. to the world, right? Now we're trying to go bankless, which is same, same, but different, same thing. My, my mind with that went to the idea of the concept of like, well, for creating this new bankless world, 
Uh, and we're able to draw these connections and people are able to extrapolate that into the future. And if you do believe this narrative, and we've seen this before, like CZ, for example, is trying to become a new banker, right? He's trying to become a new Medici, but it's a little bit skeuomorphic, but it's also working, right? And this is why this is why there's always so much attention in crypto and in Ethereum and why there's so much speculation is because everyone realizes that there is the opportunity to be the new Medici, right? If you believe Bitcoin is going to rule the world, you will do everything in your power to sell all of your belongings for more Bitcoin, right? So you can be the new Medici, right? And everyone knows this and why that's why there's so much speculation on crypto assets because everyone's trying to pick the one that makes them the new ruling elite. Yeah, and there's... There's an element of like, there is going to be a new ruling elite in this, or there's going to be a new ruling power structure mm -hmm. in this crypto renaissance. And the only question is whether that power structure will exist in a new group of people, aka mm -hmm. new bankers, or right. whether we can start to imbue protocols sure. with that power structure, code with that power structure, right? So it's like, it's like what we've been saying on Bankless since day one, code, not kings. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, can we embed this into governance protocols? Going back to Joel Monegro episode, governance and capital, same thing, powers, all the same thing. Uh, can we embed this new power into something like a constitution, a set of rules right. that distributes power to, to everyone rather than... So th that's like the contrast, I think, between like the, the crypto Medici who uh, want to push this industry forward and embed right. the power structures into decentralization, decentralized technologies like mm -hmm. protocols. And maybe I would contrast with the, the CZ, who's just like, they're just trying right. to replace the papacy with right. a new papacy. You know what right. I mean? Right. <laughs> new right, bankers. Right, right. That's been like our critique uh, of, of some of what's going on in crypto from day one. Yeah, totally. And I do like that comparison where the really the new cohorts, uh, the new power elite should be money robots that can't be evil. Like if that is the most optimistic outcome of this culture, this crypto renaissance is that the new powers that be are actually just smart contracts who are really just NPCs and we've designed them to do the things that we want them to do. And that's actually why they're powerful is because they are designed to be aligned with what humans want. And so we bestow them with legitimate power as Vitalik alludes to in his, in his recent blog post where how much the legitimacy is the most powerful force there is. Well, yep. we can bestow these new Medici. We, we, the people, get to pick who the Medici are by bestowing them with legitimacy. Uniswap is a new Medici. It's, it's, and it's because it's legitimate, right? Like all the, all the things in the protocol sync are powerful because they are legitimate, because we give that legitimacy to them. And that's our power. We, we the humans, bestow the legitimacy. And we, the humans, get to pick the new Medici. I think that's a, a difference between old Renaissance and new Renaissance. I think that's a great insight and why um, values have been so important to the things we talk about, crypto native values, like from, mm -hmm. from day one, is because this could go in a direction where we're actually not really changing much. We just replace analog bankers for digital bankers, or it can go in a direction where we are actually decentralizing power structures to these money robots and protocols. Um, you know, another part of this episode that kind of like... Uh, uh, sent some chills down my spine, maybe not in an awesome way, but like was when he talked about the action items, mm. one of the action items he said was prep prep because yeah. like it is basically like, Hey, if this plays out how the other Renaissance played out, um, things could get a little crazy. Like the world could mm -hmm. get chaotic for a right. period of time, mm -hmm. right? Like 
beyond, especially if you're a zoomer, you've got a long lifespan ahead millennial too. But like, if you're thinking about the next few decades could be turbulent times. We don't know what that means, but this is a historian who, you know, has, you know, is, is basically just extrapolating this from history along with all the other things he's extrapolating. Um, and that doesn't feel awesome, right? Cause like, I don't want to live through whatever, like world war three, whatever right. bad stuff happens. What was, what was your, uh, takeaway on that. I, I think the prepper analogy puts perhaps a little bit too much emphasis on the doom and gloom side of things. Um, yeah. Chaos is not bad inherently. Chaos is chaos. Chaos can both be good or bad. And chaos is probably inherently a lot of both. That's what, basically what chaos is. Is it's There's just a lot of shit happening. Some good, some bad. Um, uh, I, I, I'm more, I'm much more optimistic than that, that this is generally going to be, uh, well, it will be chaotic. It still will be positive. Um, but I have been beating this like the, the 2020s decade is going to be a chaotic decade Trump for, for a while now. And I know a lot of other people have as well. Nick Carter says this a lot and Bitcoiners say this a lot. Um, and this is, and this is also something that was predicted in, uh, the, the sovereign individual book, which if any listener really likes this episode, you need to read the sovereign individual. Um, and, but they talk about how just like the fall of the Roman empire, uh, and the, the fall, uh, it was not really identifiable by people inside of that system yet. It created a lot of chaos after the fact. And at, at the end of that chaos is a better and new society ultimately at the end of the day. And so like chaos is both like. It's, it's bad if you're an entrenched institution, that's for sure. But for the individual who, who helps compose those institutions, it can be good. And so I'll say, I'll, I'll actually say that chaos is actually good for all the people that want change for the world. Because when, with, with, when chaos happens, people have the opportunity, opportunity to steer that chaos in a way that works for them. Chaos, chaos is opportunity. And especially chaos is opportunity for people who understand why the chaos is happening. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do I do hope that um, it will be this revolution will be violence free, right? Mm -hmm. I think that like the great thing about um, at least you know crypto and the internet are these are these are all opt-in technologies mm -hmm. that are um, you know violence free and not yeah, enforced. Non non coercive. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully this revolution will take shape uh, under under that. Um, I don't think people of the modern day and age have a taste for violence. I think it's largely absent for the world. Ooh, that's a that's an interesting, that's mm -hmm. an interesting uh, conversation and question. We're all too connected. I can go talk to somebody in China, and like the the reason why the 1900s was so violent was that we were be able to propagandize the subhuman nature of our enemy. That's no longer possible anymore. I I have a like l more pessimistic view on that. I uh -oh. feel like very much that um, this is probably beyond the scope of a debrief, <laughs> but yeah. I feel like the problem, one of the problems with humanity is both Moloch, which we've talked about in the past, but also that we have the same biological hardware that like our ancestors did in the 1900s or the dark ages or any era. And that biological hardware can be hijacked in all sorts of bad ways so i uh this i don't is, know i'm optimistic debate. yeah you're maybe. saying the nature of human is violent and i'm saying well we've been nurtured in this in this environment where like no one wants to go to war i'm saying it can revert to violence uh 
and, and violence can be fostered, but, but, but that aside, so let's get off the prepper. That was kind of a dark line of uh, conversation. (laughs) The cool thing about all of this is um, like his advice at the end, which is something that uh, you and I are doing. And I think many people Mm -hmm. in the bankless program do. And we, we talk about, which is like, get involved in this new economy, right? Undergo the revolution. Undergo the revolution, be part of it, work for a DAO like start figuring out what NFTs look like, um, start participating in DeFi, right? You actually have to do things to mm-hmm. be- This is prepper this stuff. This is all prepper stuff. It's prepper <laughs> stuff, but it's prepper for like, it's not like prepper prepping because- right. Doom and gloom prepper, yeah. The world is, it's prepping for a Stash new Stash away horizon. your Bitcoins under your bed. Right, <laughs> like Bitcoin Citadel stuff. Um, right. That. What do you think about this? I think that- um, Here's a take. Ethereum is a much more optimistic technology than Bitcoin. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why? Bitcoin is a, is a mentality of scarcity where Ethereum is a, a mentality of abundance. Absolutely. What do you mean? Why? Bitcoin hyper-focus on security to the point of just like complete restriction, um, uh, like complete adversarial thinking to the, again, a, a, a paralyzing amount of adversarial thinking, right? Um, and, and Ethereum and, and to the point where like, and this is why Bitcoin is not expressive Bitcoin and Bitcoin alone, no tokens, fuck tokens, like just Bitcoin. Um, like uh, let's, let's collapse all of our resources down to just, and focus on this one thing. Whereas as Ethereum is like, well, let's, let's open up surface area. Let's explore new routes. Let's, ex- let's be exploratory into this universe rather than conservative about, so do you think about the uh, protocol? Do you think there's something to the, like the notion that both technologies are libertarian? One mm-hmm. is a bit more libertarian right, and the other yes. is libertarian, more libertarian 100%. left. And by that, I mean 100%. like the Ethereum emphasis being more libertarian left is a bit more on here are the things that you can do to coordinate as a society right. and as an organization and as a group. Still libertarian, but the emphasis is a bit more on the there's things we can do together. People. Yeah, it's, it's not just an individual focused. It's like mm-hmm. individual, but also... Collective. collective yeah um whereas bitcoin is very much like right. individual focus even in culture right it's mm-hmm. just like like the, the the culture is kind of a like an f you who cares like right. this is my like my, my bitcoin and if i'm toxic mm-hmm. whatever and if i'm like th- this is right. it's a very and w- what feeds the system is complete gre- like it's greed right and there's elements mm-hmm. of that in ethereum but Less yeah emphasized yeah you think that's true Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the parallels are completely there. And, and this is why people always find themselves on one side of the uh, Bitcoin versus Ethereum camp and also can never see eye to eye. And it's because, <laughs> because of a cultural disposition. Vitalik wrote that article uh, about concavity. Versus, concept, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I, I pr- there's probably some way to map that onto a similar conversation. Maybe it doesn't adhere uh, so one-to-one with left versus right, but there's something. there's a through line there for sure. You think maybe we basically map these things onto people's inborn biology, David. Do you think people are born in one of these, you know, like oh, quadrants God. of thinking? We need to get Sam Harris on this podcast and to talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about that. What, um, what other areas do you think we should uh, explore on Bankless in general? So like this Oof. was new, this was historical yeah. interpretation mm-hmm. of this new crypto cultural movement, which I think is something super cool what one thing i've wanted to do was have a like somebody maybe like a sam harris who's sam's probably a bit more like philosophy right yeah um Mm -hmm. that's an interesting area to cover but 
I also think psychology is like an interesting area to cover. Hmm. Well, you're a psych major, right? Like, so like right. the human psychology of, um, I guess like maybe we could talk about markets, maybe mm-hmm. we could explore why people are drawn to certain crypto communities. That would yeah. be an interesting line. Yeah. There, there's something I've always thought about is uh, the, the subconscious that is an individual. Well, when you put all these people together and you can definitely see this in subreddits, right? And also probably in discord communities as well is like memes are the tool for groups of people to subconsciously communicate their internal subconscious, right? Like people's subconscious comes out in the memes that they generate. And if it resonates with a community, then it comes out in the community and all the, the same communities like upvote that one <laughs> meme that they all resonate with sub on a subconscious level. Right. And so, uh, and when we, when we connect this to Ethereum, like what, what are DAOs except for, you know, discords with the treasury and perhaps a token involved, can the subconscious of a, of a community of a discord community make turns itself into the market value of a token on Ethereum on Uniswap. And actually, and can the subconscious of a community actually dictate how resources are allocated in the in the world and in, in, in a world where Ethereum is the economy? That's a that's a, a line of thought I, I would love to explore. We would need some modern age like Carl Jung to to get that done. Yeah, p- Carl Jung plus like um plus like crypto, right? Yeah, like Carl Jung plus crypto. Find, Any bankless listener who is a <laughs> Carl Jung plus crypto expert, please That's come forward. Low, yeah. low, low threshold. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, definitely definitely a lot of cool angles to explore on bankless. This platform feels like the more we get into it, it's like the more endless it seems the exploration yeah. could be for this. Man, um, last thing, uh, meme artist Martin Luther, dude. He, yeah, he, o- OG meme. Demon memer. pooping meme. Like, yeah. wow. We well haven't done, even sir. gotten to those yet. <laughs> retweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah retweet. <laughs> well done, sir. I would propagate <laughs> that meme. It looked it, it looked cool. Yeah, it looked like a so, cool meme, bro. Nice meme, Memes bro. were not born in the internet era is one thing yeah. I learned from this. Uh, yeah, this is very true. This is very true. We did, I guess we just didn't call them memes. I wonder what they called them back then. I think they had a, a name for whatever their... Well, he had a name. Do you remember it? Like the pamphlet? What was the pamphlet called? Ah... Uh, was it a specific name or was it just like, oh yeah, the, like, cause when, when I see something, it's like, oh, that's a meme. Like, yeah. is it that, is it that like easy or is it like, is, is it that like, uh, I don't remember. That's why I need a second no. listen. Yeah. I, I'm so podcast. excited to listen to that episode. I can't yeah, wait dude. to get it back from the editor. Yeah. How soon? How soon? Uh, he said, he said he gets back into the uh, studio on Monday or Tuesday. So not until then. Ooh, ping me. And then we get it to Bankless Early Subscribers. So if you are uh, yeah. listening mm-hmm. to this, you get this episode early. It's Thank probably, you so much. Yeah, this episode, yeah, it's probably coming out. Oh, wait, no, you've already, already gotten it. I just got my wires crossed. Never mind. Yeah. So <laughs> you got this early if you're a subscriber. Thank you for being a subscriber. Thank you for listening to the debrief. Anything else we should cover, David? Uh, yeah, get your Bankless badge if you haven't already. Ooh, time running out. Got to get that badge. Get in the Time's raffles. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. That's it, David. Bye, everyone. Cheers.